church and many, many people, especially in the, uh, the younger generations, have little or no knowledge or regard for the God of the Bible. And in trying to witness or try to sow seed with these people, sometimes it's uh, difficult to find a place where you can really start with them. You know, I've, I've done lots of studies with guys in the jail that had bare knowledge of, uh, of God and the Bible, and I try to start out in Genesis and teach from Genesis 1, 1 and on and show about the depravity of man and the need for a Savior and so on. But <clears throat> that isn't always... Uh, uh, there's, there's no one formula for, you know, for getting the task of, of sowing the seed of the gospel. Instead, there's, there's many, many tools that we can use, and one of them is simply to uh, challenge people about, you know, people ask you, who is your God? Uh, what is he about? Well, what is it going on here? There we go. <clears throat> I always have trouble with this stuff. Two moving parts. Well, I've studied this verse. Uh, it came to me uh, some years ago, actually, when I was studying in Isaiah. And I ran across this verse and how that has some parallels in there with our current government. You know, there's a lot of things that people are talking about the government today. Um, and sometimes there's questions you can work into a... a a dialogue with them by, by using this verse. Um, <clears throat> three times in this verse, the name Jehovah is used as well as three descriptions of him. It says, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. <clears throat> well, let's go to the Lord and we'll continue. Father God, we thank you for those that have assembled tonight. I just pray, Lord, you'd help me and help us to set aside uh, thoughts and cares and uh, pay attention to the portion of Scripture that uh, you've uh, put in your word for a specific purpose, Lord, uh, to show some evidences of your uh, eternal nature, uh, some evidences of your earthly nature and how that you work to make your, you make laws to legislate them how that you've, uh, uh, there's also a, a, a God who's our judge, and you're also a God who rules on the throne of heaven. So I just pray, Lord, you'd help us to take these truths, carry them with us, Lord, that we could have them to share with others uh, in times uh, ahead. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And so, <clears throat> here we go. There we go. <clears throat> this verse does show something of the triune nature of God. The Lord is our judge, he's our lawgiver, and he's our king, which roughly translate, you know, to the, our, the prophet and priest and king. Um, I'm not doing very good here already. There we go. And so the Lord is our judge. <clears throat> how this, I want to show you how it, it roughly corresponds to our, uh, to our government 
how our, how our uh, three branches of our government roughly correspond with, with uh, these three attributes, these three uh, pictures of God. I'm not saying that, that God is a capitalist, but I'll say for sure he's not a communist, he's not a socialist. The original, God's original economy was a theocracy. And even under, in the Old Testament times, God raised up prophets, they had magistrates, they had individuals that would judge the people and hold up God's law before the people to make a difference, to, to hold them accountable, and for those that wouldn't follow after God's word, to judge and to sometimes punish. <clears throat> in our system, we have a president, we have a Congress, we have a Supreme Court, <clears throat> and in times past, um, this system actually worked pretty good. There were times when people were holding close to the dictates of God's word. In the early uh, times of the founding, our founding fathers, it was uh, in many states, it was a requirement that people believe in the God of the Bible or they weren't qualified for office in the first place. It was a good, it was a good rule, it was a good custom, it was on the, on the books of many states until uh, fairly recent times. If it had been followed, we wouldn't have the corruption that we have, starting with the executive branch, extending into the legislative branch, and into the judicial branch. You know, recently we saw our, our own senator, Ms. Uh, uh, what's her name? Murkowski put, the, put the, the deciding vote to put a woman into the uh, Supreme Court who uh, couldn't give a definition of what a woman is and was, has already been shown herself to, to be soft on, on, on pornographers and so on. Um, it's a travesty that a person like that would sit in the highest court of the land. And it's a whole, <coughs> it's a whole uh, part of our current system to use this power for bad ends. But the time is coming when Jesus as our king, Jesus as our lawgiver, Jesus as our ju judge, he's going to judge righteous judgment in this earth. And as we get into this message, we're going to show <clears throat> how this is going to be acted out in the, uh, in the coming tribulation time. Um, <clears throat> you there are lots of people that don't know much about God or the Bible have heard about the tribulation and, and times, tough times to come. And this is a, can, you can have a good opportunity sometimes to be able to show people, yeah, this is some real things that God is going to be judging the earth. He set up laws that are finite, that are fixed, <clears throat> and that he is not going to change and he's going to rule and reign according to the bids of his desire and not the ways of the world. So, first of all, we're going to look at the Lord as our King. Uh, the Lord God is the sovereign creator of this world and has the right, indeed he has the responsibility to set the rules of conduct for all of those in his kingdom, and that's every individual, young, old, uh, whatever group, whatever kind.
by sinful behavior. Didn't do any good to keep going on the wagon, drinking drugs. It didn't make any difference if I tried to control my tongue and, and using blasphemous language because I did it again in the afternoon or the next day. But what did happen was is that as I knew enough of God's law to know that those things were, you know, I can't even remember that I knew that understood the term sin. But I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I knew that I was going to be held accountable to God. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. And the, 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 the philosophical or the, the, the counselors today that are trying to build up people's self-esteem and in effect, what that does is it feeds that ugly thing of pride, which we certainly don't need. Every one of us probably has about twice as much as we really need. There's nothing wrong with self-esteem. Now understand that. It's not, it's not that we shouldn't recognize our, our capabilities and, uh, and the things and responsibilities that we have and to be able to accomplish them. But pride is when we step out on our own and we ascribe... Uh, you know, the truth that uh, we're the source of all that's good in our life and we're, uh, we're so great on our, own, uh, on our own standing. But when we come guilty, uh, and those counselors will, will preach and rail against guilt and, and to call someone guilty, that's to judge somebody. Well, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> and it's not judgmental to call a thief a thief. A murderer, a murderer. When you use God's word as, as that lamp to, that, uh, that gives light and understanding and truth, <clears throat> we then can make judgments that are righteous. And the law has to do that all the time. The problem is, is that our laws are so, are so uh, corrupt that they don't protect people anymore. You know, we saw the things that went on in Portland, Oregon, still probably going on in the cities, San Francisco, Minneapolis. It's, it's a travesty that, that, the, that the leaders of those cities and states don't protect the people as accordance with the law. The laws that are on their own books. Because, it turn, because well, Satan thrives on chaos. And Satan is working 24-7 to hold people in spiritual darkness, to take the lives of people, to disrupt the lives of people, to keep them so distracted that they won't, have, they won't be feeling the touch of the Holy Spirit as he works to draw them to the cross. <clears throat> the following verse, Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, so, okay, we're drawing the bottom line on just about the, the sum and substance of, of that beautiful chapter, Romans chapter 3. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And as I was saying, when I first came under the burden of my sin, that's what I tried to do. I set up my own uh, system of self-justification by doing this, trying to do that. It doesn't work. But the law is good because when we understand the reality of sin, our responsibility for it, then the law has done its work. 
Again, when we see ourselves in, in the mirror of God's law, and we see that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, <clears throat> if you've lied, stolen, took God's name in vain, your mother or father, young people. You've broken God's law, and he's going to hold you accountable for that. <clears throat> the knowledge of sin is the beginning of salvation. Until you, until you can get a person to understand the truth of their sin debt, the responsibility before God, as, as it's dictated in this book, you're not going to go get very far with them in matters of spiritual, in spiritual matters. Um, just as an aside, this uh, I've been working with uh, an adjuster from all state. He visited up, visited me a week or so, ten days ago, something like that. Nick uh, Nick Mallet, and uh, I talked to him the other day. I gave him a bunch of tracks. I gave him my testimony track. I gave him my memories track, and I gave him a track by Alan Compare, a former inmate. I gave him one other soul-winning track. And if we talked about business, I asked him if he read the the tracks. He said, yeah, I read him on the airplane going back home. And uh, I asked him what he thought of it. He said, well, you know, there's, there's some stuff there I need to find more out about. Well, we pray for that man. He was just getting a, he was getting a dose of God's word and it was starting to work on him. The man has no religious background. He's married to a wife from Kosovo, uh, Serbia. I don't know what they, they're Orthodox there. So, but the Word of God works, and it'll do its work every time if we'll turn it loose, expose people to it. This is, this is important. This, this, is, this hinges on, on where our country is right now. Law is not law if it violates the principles of eternal justice. If if laws that the, the world enacts, if they aren't in accordance with this book, they're not laws. But you know what? Uh, the system now is very, very quick to accuse and to use their power to get in the lives of people that won't knuckle down uh, to their laws and rules. Look at this mask mandates and so on. They want me to go into the hospital. Here you go. They want me to go in the hospital for a test. They said, well, you got to get vaccinated or you... I said, I ain't going to get vaccinated. They said, well, you're going to have to get a, a COVID test or something. I said, I've had COVID. Okay. I can't give it to anybody. I got two pieces of paper from the state CDC that says I'm good to go. They even solicit my blood. Wow. I told him, I said, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to go there any further. I knew once I got in the hands of the pill rollers, for you people out there that are streaming, I'm sorry if you're doctors or something. <laughs> it's just the way it is for me. Okay. The final one we're going to look at here is that the Lord is our judge. The primary office of the judge is to administer justice within the realm or the scope of his jurisdiction with, for God is everywhere in this universe. I think one of the reasons that 
that, that people are so anxious to get to Mars and to get, get outside, you know, away from the Earth. And I, think they, I think some people think that they could get, you know, there's in the back of their mind, if I get out of the way from Earth, I won't be a subject to the things of God. Wrong. You can flee to the ends of the universe. And I believe there are ends of the universe. By definition, anything that's created is finite. God exists for infinity outside the universe. There's, some, there's something for you. Wow. How many billions and billions of light years, supposedly? So, God is everywhere in this universe. Isaiah 11, verse 4, it says, With, with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. <clears throat> now, this may have been some short-term prophecy. What this is, is, is prophesying about is the coming tribulation that's going to come upon the world <clears throat> after the Lord takes believers out of this world. When the church age is over, the tribulation, seven-year tribulation begins. <clears throat> and we know from Matthew chapter 24, <clears throat> It starts out, he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I tell you what, I get, all, I get, I get, I get really mad when I see what the, what the UN and what the uh, uh, NATO, what they're allowing to go on in, in the Ukraine, and those people being massacred by an illegal force, an army, got no business being there. <clears throat> but God's going to straighten it all out. He says, be not troubled for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Yeah, there's famines, pestilences. They started really talking about when the AIDS uh, virus, when that got going, that's still r r r rampaging in, in Africa. Millions of people have died of AIDS in, in Africa. It's just, just rampant. They have that from our missionaries that seen it happen, and Brother Norberg and others. Earthquakes in, diver in diverse places, I mean, different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And you've heard the teaching and the preaching. The beginning of sorrows are the birth pangs, like a lady in labor. As they go on, they get it more intense and intense and intense until the baby comes. In this case, it'll get, it'll get more and more intense <clears throat> until uh, the, the tribulation time comes when believers are taken out of this world. It's my personal belief that, that the persecution, that the things in the earth and the persecution of Christians is going to be so intense leading up to the time of the rapture that really I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I think there'll be already been a lot of Christian martyrs. I think God is just going to work it out when one will be gone. But I think the world is going to be in such turmoil, and they'll be happy. They might have us all. Uh, that's this one picture. They might have us all in internment, and then one day they go out and look, and we're all gone. What are they going to say? Well, we don't know. They don't care. They do not want to. You know, and the the world knows about some of the plans that Jesus has, 
And right to the very end, they're going to deny anything that has to do with his work. So, in the soon to come, I believe it is, I don't think I'll see it unless it gets here pretty quick. But uh, many of you may, 20, 30 years, you got a lot of 20, 30 years. I don't think the world's going to have 40 years, I really don't. In the soon to come time of the seven year tribulation, God is going to pour his wrath upon the earth because of the sinfulness of mankind. The book of Revelation outlines these events and just two of these judgments, one half of the world's people will be killed. Revelation talks about there's going to be three series of judgments, the seal judgment, seven seals, seven cups or bowls, and seven trumpets. And don't think that they're just going to be just like, you know, some of them we're going to see, some of them may start in the first first, uh, part of the tribulation and go all the way through, some of them are going to be fixed, finite, We'll look at that. So in Revelation chapter, yeah, Revelation chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see, and looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed him, followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. This is probably one of those, one of those judgments that's going to last on into, way into the tribulation, maybe right to the very end. The awfulness of what will occur during the seven-year tribulation is almost beyond belief, beyond what the, uh, the ima- the, the, our mind can imagine. Um, we're not talking about just you know, the Ukraine, there's going to be wars in every continent, every area, as, the, uh, as God begins to work righteous judgment in the earth. So, that's one quarter of the world's people. In Revelation 9, uh, verses 13 through 18, it says, And a sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel which has the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. These are, these are not good angels, these are demons. And when the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for, and this, remember, mark this now, this is going to be, have a finite time. This is how long this judgment is going to take place. For an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So, in that amount of time, 13 months and some, a quarter of the world's people are going to be gone. So then the number of, of the army, of the horsemen, were 200,000 thousands, and I heard the number of them. It was said for a long time that, you know, that the tribulation uh, couldn't happen because there wasn't possibility for an army to field of 200 million. China could easily, uh, could easily field 200 million people, so could India. They have over a billion population. They'd be happy to put them out on the battlefield <coughs> with swords or spears or clubs or rocks. It doesn't make any difference. <clears throat> I had it firsthand from men that, that fought in Korea 
they said oftentimes the, 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 it was only the, the front-line soldiers had weapons, and as they went into these human waves attacks, the people behind didn't have weapons. They would pick them up from the dead as they went on into the battlefield. Just saying. That's the way war works. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and of brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone sulfur, which issued <clears throat> out of their mouths. This is a stylized picture of what, of what uh, is being talked about there, but very most likely what we're talking about is, is uh, modern day warfare com comprised of tanks, artillery, rockets, airstrikes. He's going to return, he's going to wipe out all the enemy, and the, and the Bible says that one third, that one third of the Jews that are on the earth at that time are going to be saved. That'd be, that'd be remarkable today if we could see a revival and one, and one out of, at three out of ten or one out of three would get saved. <clears throat> you know, we should keep praying for the, for the, for the native ministry, but I was talking to the men the other night, you know, we've sent out, I don't know, to how many uh, addresses, several thousand. You know, if you even was getting 1%, we'd have had 20, 3,000, maybe 30. But how many have we had? Well, we need to keep praying for the souls in those native villages. We keep praying that God will, it, one of these, there'll be a key person that'll respond, get in those Bible studies, get in touch with our pastors and be, get saved and get invited out into the village so that we can minister, so that they can minister personally to make a difference for the souls of men. That's what it's all about. Romans chapter 2, verses 3 through 9, again about coming judgment. And, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same that thou shalt escape judgment, or despite the riches of his goodness and forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Benchmark verse. Benchmark verse. But it says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. But after... <clears throat> am I in the right one here? Maybe. There. You see that? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart. That's where the souls of the lost are. Hard and impenitent. They will not repent. They will not, they will not turn from the way that they're going. They will not confess their sin and they will not come to God for forgiveness. The Bible says, surely then, in verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds, either you believe or not believe. That's the question. 
tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil. Uh, verse 8, but unto the, to them that are contentious. Uh, let's go another one here. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, meaning the Jew in, in first in time. And then the ministry went to the Gentiles, non-Jews. And so we know very, very clearly and truthfully there are two things for certain. Everyone dies and then they face judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. <clears throat> and you'll even get arguments about that, and I've had arguments with people about that, too. They'll say, well, I know people that, you know, that died on the operating table, and, you know, and they, they, they died three times or something like that. No, they were resuscitated. If you die, you're dead. That's absence of life. That's the definition of, of death. Uh, if the, but if there's, just like I've used that analogy, like a, if you have a, start a campfire in the morning, you have your food, you get that nice fire going, and you let it die down, you come back for lunch, it's out. But if you can go in there, if you can blow the ashes off, and you can get one little red coal, you can resuscitate that fire. You understand? This is, a, this is a easy thing. You can do the same thing with a, with a person, as long as that, that coal as long as that soul and spirit hasn't left, it can be resuscitated. But once it dies, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth it shall die is going to be separated from God forever. It says in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body. <clears throat> I need new glasses too. And fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's God. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man. The commentator Gifford said, you may juggle human laws, and people do. You may fool with human courts, and they certainly do, but there's a judgment to come, and from it, there is no appeal. There are many pathways in life that lead to hell, and there, there are none that lead out. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through the shed blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then back to our text, it says the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. And so he is also our savior. <clears throat> Isaiah 43, verse 11, I am the Lord, that's Jehovah God. This is the God of the burning bush, this is the God that parted the Red Sea, this is God that sent his son to die for our sins. He says, besides me, there is no Savior. So there's nothing in the, in the works of man that'll supplant the works of God. Um, 
Buddhism, Islam, they're all empty. There's no saving grace in any of those religions. The Bible says that in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. <clears throat> in Isaiah 12, verse 2, it says, Behold, or look, God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. And so <clears throat> the prophet knew about God as his Savior, and he said, I will trust him implicitly and not be afraid. <clears throat> I'm working on a message. I don't think I'm going to bring it. It's about on, on Christian courage. Uh, the things that are coming that, that the believers that our country is going to go through, and then by extension, believers, is uh, going to require uh, some fortitude. What the British call that stiff upper lip. Uh, there's, the world is in a desperate situation. It's not going to get any better. And the time is going to become when, when our faith may be very well tested in ways that we never thought possible, even as the faith was tested of the martyrs of centuries ago. And there's, there's Christians being martyred today around the world, uh, hundreds every year, especially in, amongst Muslim countries, Indonesia, lots of Christians killed there for their faith. As I remember, the Turks left the field because of some of that stuff years ago. I could be wrong. Proverbs 30 says, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their sin filthiness. That's the way most people in this world are. <clears throat> They're good to go. And they'll let you know about it. About how proud they are, or what they are, what they can do. Uh, the freedoms that they exalt in, that are abject sin and wickedness, but they aren't washed, either washed in the blood of the Lamb, or your sin guilt you'll pay for, it says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, here's a good question. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? I mean, who's going to go home to heaven? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, told a lie. One lie, remember? Revelation chapter 20, All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone. One unconfessed lie. The weight of it, the penalty of it, will consign the soul to hell. That's, people should know and understand about that. You can talk to people about that. Okay. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And so just to end up here, <clears throat> bottom line, this is what people need to hear the times of this ignorance God winked at. He's patient. They now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 
And if you get back to remember, if your God is the sovereign king and he's the sovereign judge, he's the sovereign lawgiver, when he gives a command, he, he expects it to be uh, obeyed or there's going to be consequences. Now, understanding that there is a great day coming soon upon the earth, that every living soul that dies without Jesus Christ as their Savior will go to hell forever. Billions, billions and billions and billions. They'll go to hell to pay for their sin debt. It should motivate us to redouble our efforts to reach the spiritually lost, especially those of our close family and friends. So there is no cookie cutter way of reaching out to people, but when we draw from the resources in God's word, we can have tools that can, that can excite people's minds about seeking truth. It's as it says in the, that God gives every individual a little bit of light. And if we can get, give them some light of understanding, if we can feed them some scripture, hopefully they'll come to the truth and believe on Christ as their savior. Okay, that's all I got. Don't want to spend too much more time. I know we've got other things to do. But this might provide some tools for you and, and I to use as we're dealing with lost people, as we're dealing with, with, with perhaps unchurched Christians that don't know, that haven't been taught, that haven't had, you know. Uh, I think uh, that's a, like a situation you're working with, uh, with, was it Justin? You know. You just, you just feed them God's word. That's all you can do. Feed them God's word and see where God, the Lord will take them. Okay, I'll turn it over to whomever. Okay. <laughs>